back for the last Northern Virginia Church Academy special, Matt Fisk, Katie Fisk, Brett Kreider, recapping the four pillars with Marty Solomon. So far, we've been through the East versus Western perspective and embracing both sides, but bringing out the Eastern side because we're Westerners and we need the balance. The second, the first uh, pillar was discipleship, that our calling is higher and greater than we realize. Our second one was community, that God is trying to forge different communities into one new humanity, one new kingdom, and that love for each other, that forging and unity will show the world that there's something greater going on. Uh, And the last time we talked about the text, the text is our third pillar, how to approach it with a posture of it's, it's deep and it's great and wonderful and there's more to it than we see. So to dig into it and to search and that the words of God, there's something powerful about that. There's something more and words create worlds, not just uh, are, are written on a page. Now we've got our last, our final fourth pillar, which is the shortest pillar. So if you stuck with us, um, but it is incredibly important and it is the pillar of wrestling. No, not WWE. MMA. No, not MMA, <laughs> any of that stuff. It is the idea of wrestling with God and wrestling with truth. And and the reason Marty brings this up is because in our 21st century American world, through the development of systematic theologies and creeds and in an effort to teach simple truths, we have stopped encouraging wrestling with truth and asking questions of God. Brett, respond. <laughs> well, my first response is this is the most distressing of the pillars. This has the ability to change what we believe. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've thought through my beliefs and I've come to what I considered was a logical conclusion based on my research. I've been studying the Bible now for 38 years. And to find out that there are areas that I'm wrong is threatening. And and yet, I think part of the problem is this binary view of truth, right or wrong. And maybe I'm partially correct in some of the stuff I believe, and maybe I need a, a different part of the paradox to balance out my understanding of truth. And I think back to uh, when Abraham was praying over Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, and and God came to him and said, hey, I'm going to destroy this. I'm going to tell you. He's like, wait, I don't agree. God, is this? It's almost like the question of God's justice. There are so many times in my life where I wonder, is this fair? You know, something happens in my life. Personally, um, one of the challenges my family faces is chronic illness. Is it fair for somebody to have a chronic illness and to have to struggle with that? How is God? You know, come on, you know, I'm praying for a cure here. And whenever things don't work out the way I'd hoped, it forces me to wrestle with God, his fairness, what I believe about, and it, it forces me to think, what is prayer? You know, is is, am I trying to tell God something he doesn't know? God, did you know my daughter was sick? You know, uh, he knows. But what does it mean to wrestle? Because a lot of it really has to do with my lack of understanding of the big picture that God knows 
and I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I I just think about the kinds of people that God chooses to work through um, in the Bible and how he chooses so many different types of people, but so many of the people that he chooses have this either this quality to wrestle or this chutzpah, chutzpah about them, this passion. Chutzpah. Uh, do you want to define that? It's shameless audacity. It is zeal and craziness. and It the... is who Matt Fisk is, if you don't know him. Um, That's me. <laughs> but even, you know, I think about Jacob and how in some ways Jacob was very slimy and, and deceitful. And yet God insisted on working with him because of his passion, his zeal, his chutzpah. Jacob is the one who actually wrestled with God and, you know, hurt his hip and all of that. That and was changed that, his name. That was the, okay, I, I still am blown away by that point that they, Israel shouldn't be called Israel. They should be called like Abramites. You know, it, it should, they should be named after Abraham Somebody or, better. or David. <laughs> That's true. Jacob is the worst person to name your, your, your chosen people. And yet it's, it, he doesn't name them Jacob. He names them Israel after Jacob wrestles with God. And if you follow that story, it turns out that he had to change his name again. Right. Later on in the story, he's like, I'm going to call you Israel. Like, didn't you just call him Israel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's that it, like the 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 broader the broader lesson of you can only become who God meant you to be if you're willing to wrestle with Him, and it's not a one time thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think about Hezekiah and how Hezekiah was he was supposed to die, but then he wrestled with God. He he changed God's mind. He lived longer. I mean, some stuff he did after that was kind of questionable, but and then <laughs> what you do with it is up to you, but. <laughs> And then, and then Moses, um, you know, he was, he was wrestling with God and insisting that God kill him instead. Um, the persistent widow, she changed the judge's mind. Um, the Canaanite woman, she wrestled with Jesus and again, was able to, what it looked like, change his mind in front of all of these people. Um, or even Jonah, um, you know, he had a pretty bad attitude, but he did wrestle with God about it. And he said, God, I, I knew you were compassionate. I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to forgive people. But I just think about all the times where I have to wrestle with God and how shallow my relationship with God was before I really began wrestling with him. And But wrestling with God and telling him how I really feel, I mean, yelling, screaming, or telling him, hey, this isn't fair, or I don't feel like you, you're listening, you don't care, you've abandoned me. I think about the Psalms. Those are the times where I really am able to draw close to God. And I think about Mary and Martha and how they responded to Lazarus's death and how I mean, Martha seemed to be a little bit more logical and pulled together, but Mary was like, I mean, she was weeping at his feet and saying, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Where were you? Why weren't you here? But it's that kind of vulnerability, honesty, authenticity that, that made such a, a bond with, between her and Jesus. And I think this is it's awesome and it's challenging. Now, something that you said, Brett, and I think we mentioned it in our first podcast about this whole thing is that wrestling with things like this threaten our threaten our understanding of truth. And I think I can get behind the idea of wrestling with my circumstances. I can get behind wrestling with, Oh, what does this mean? And why am I going through this? But when you start bringing in things of what I believe and what's true and what God says is true and judgment like that to me, wrestling with that seems and what I've been brought up to believe is either that's amoral, it's uh, faithless or arrogant to approach God in that way. 
and and it sounds like that's a bit of what we're encouraging to particularly like things like should I question doctrine should I question judgment like what what's well the example that we talked about earlier off air that I want to bring up is when you're raising children and you know at first you teach them certain things and whatever dad says seems like you know it's coming from heaven <laughs> and they're going to believe it as they become teenagers and they start to question the world, they start to question whether what they were taught is what they believe. And then when they become adults, these people that you raised in the church have to decide, is this what I really believe? Now, for me, I came from outside the church, so I struggled even to get in. But for someone who grows up in the church, where does the struggle supposed to happen? Are you just supposed to be a, a good, you know, happy kingdom kid all your life and it just works out? I just don't believe that that's, that's not even healthy, right? If, if a person never struggles, they never become strong. They never know how to face the difficulties of life. And Jesus challenged us that if we're shallow in our beliefs, that when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, that they would quickly be, uh, you know, fade away and, and destroyed by it. And I want my children to struggle. I want them to think through and say, what do I really believe? Because if it's not their belief, then it's not their church. It's got to become their beliefs, their, their strength. Ooh, announcement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we slip that in there just in case you don't know. Um, 14 weeks. hey Yeah, and I think that's a that's a great point that I would never, like, I mean, th- this baby that's not even born yet, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want life to be perfect and easy for them. Yeah. But but the truth is no. Like, in order to, to make it, in order to be not this empty, you know, cardboard cutout of a human being, you got you to do some wrestling. And I, I think even for me, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to go back and as I wrestle with this, that, okay, what, what do I believe about doctrinal truths? Are those static? Cause those feel pretty static. Those are like, you know, how, how does somebody become a Christian and should you read your Bible? And what are the you know thoughts about sin and righteousness and judgment? And, and I was thinking, you know, we, we discussed a bit of Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah and God had made his judgment. Right. Like God is like, I am going to destroy these cities. And that that's pretty final. Like, I think if 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 I confronted God and he told me he was going to judge these people and he was going to do this or this or that. And what my response would probably be, okay, that's what you're going to do. Or God forbid I do something like good. You know, they need it. Mm -hmm. And and Marty brings that up and he brings that thing up. But then you see Abraham wrestling with God and he, and he's like trying to like negotiate him down from, you know, 50 and, and like, Oh, if there's 50 righteous people, would you not destroy the city for 50? I won't. Well, he's already changed the judgment. Like that's, that's a, that's a hard line that he drew. Okay. You know what? That, that hard line is not actually that hard. What about, uh, I should be so bold 40. All right. Do I hear 40? How about 30, 30 going once going to, he's bringing him down. And yet that, that static line of truth, because the thing that's more true is not the, the how God has already rendered the judgment, but the thing that's more true is God's character. 
that it's not in line with your character, God, to destroy, but it's in line with your character to be merciful. And what does that mean for our doctrinal truths? And I, I will save you guys like, you know, finding me in the fellowship and saying, what are you saying? And I'm not trying to call into question everything we believe. I'm trying to say there are things that we accept without thinking. And I think part of the challenge here is that I generally believe that the doctrines that we teach are true. And I've wrestled through them. You know, our church went through the whole thing in 2003, and everybody was asking, you know, is what we believe right or not? And I thought that was a good exercise to go back and wrestle through that. But what I've actually found over time is that my real challenge is my theology. What do I believe about God? You mentioned his character. And there were some things that I believed about God's character that were actually destructive. And my understanding was shallow of who God is. And almost in that relationship, I was relying on doctrine to save me rather than relationship to save me. And so I think that it's that relationship with truth that's something we've got to be willing to, in a sense, uh, give up our position and say, I, I don't have to worry so much. Like one of the things I love about the Bible is they don't even try. The authors of the Bible don't even try to prove the existence of God. God doesn't really need to prove anything to us, but we certainly have a lot to learn. And the real challenge is, will we be willing to change to what we believe about God, what we believe about truth, what we believe about ourselves as we mature as people. And I, I've always found that the truth is what stands up. Yeah. And, and even are we willing to engage with people that think maybe very differently? And how do people come to their beliefs if we spoon feed them and say, this is the truth, and they're like, oh, that's the truth? Okay. And then we just walk away with it. That doesn't really help. One of the things that helped me the most when I, I was a student at MIT, and there's a lot of smart people that are much smarter than me, and I'm trying to persuade them to follow Jesus, and they're people who already have their own opinions, and they're coming at me with atheism or evolution or all these different questions about the integrity of the Bible, and it was such a good exercise for me to have to go in and struggle. And coming out of that, what really hit me the most is that you can look at any philosophy, and it may sound good, but what's really interesting is always to go back to the philosopher and look at their life and say, Did, do I really want to follow this person? And then I look at Jesus. And yes, his teachings were true, but even more, he's the person that I want to be. Yeah. Yeah, it, I just, I, I, I found that most of my questions and even the questions that I, I hear others wrestling with, especially, you know, people who are young in their faith or, or teens who are transitioning into college and they're beginning to question and examine their faith on their own two feet for the first time. I agree with you, Brett. I, I think most of these questions really come back down to, but what, it, what are we believing about God's character? I think most of our questions really are questioning God's character. You know, is he fair because of the suffering that's going on or whatever? Um, and something that Marty said that I've been thinking about a lot is that 
He said, whenever we're asking questions that the Bible is not asking, we get the wrong answers. And I think God wants us to wrestle with the questions that we have, but he also wants to give us new questions um, and point us in new directions um, from what we're wrestling with. It's like an episode of Lost. If you ever watch that show, it's you have a question, there's a new episode, and you have five more questions afterwards, and I guess we call it found. Um, and, you know, my, my favorite story in the Bible of wrestling is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he enters into all of that, ready to go to the cross, except for not ready, even though he's been talking about it for, for, for weeks and years and knowing the entire cosmos and history of the world has, is going to revolve around what he's going to do. And he doesn't want to do it. You know, father, take this cup from me. (laughs) I don't want to do this. And yet it's wrestling and prayer that is what gets him where he needs to go at the, at the end of that, he goes, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer and wrestling with God is what brings even Jesus to the point where he fulfills who he was meant to be. And I think that's the thing for all of us is that there, there might be questions we have. We need to wrestle with them issues. We need to wrestle with them. The scriptures, we need to wrestle with them. There are questions that must be asked and you can't be afraid to ask them and you can't. And here's the other side for me as somebody who serves in in leadership, I can't be afraid to hear them. Mm-hmm. I can't be afraid that somebody's asking questions. No, that's exactly what I want. Even if they're about core things, if it's about baptism, if it's about faith, if it's about repentance, if it's about you know homosexuality, I have to not just be okay with the questions, but engage with the wrestling because through that is where we're going to find God through wrestling together. So guys, I think that's it. For uh, for all four pillars uh, that we went through, thank you so much for listening uh, to us for this time. I hope uh, these will be helpful. And uh, for me, Matt Fisk, my wife, Katie Fisk, Brett Kreider, and Roxanne Little for the first couple, we are uh, just grateful. We hope you got a lot out of it. Check out more stuff on nvca.academy for more things, deeper biblical teaching, and other stuff. We'll catch you next time.